We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good evening, everyone. Well, normally at this hour, I visit with my friend, Professor David Schultz. He has a well-deserved Saturday night off. He's also going to be going to China for a couple of weeks, so it'll be a few weeks before... I chat with him, but we've got a great hour lined up for you. We're going to start with uh, an author who's written really a thriller that is sort of ripped out of the headlines, if anything. It it kind of foreshadows some of the things. I think he wrote it a few years ago, uh, this extraordinary uh, series of cyber attacks that we have seen. The latest uh, cyber attack hit Ukraine and then spread through Europe and New Jersey. This was about ransomware. Uh, Greg Scott is the author. uh, His book is Bullseye Breach. It's fiction, but it reads like true life. And then uh, coming up in our second half hour, Switching Gears, uh, I don't know if you all saw the study, the survey that came out saying Minnesota is number one and we're used to being number one on a lot of lifestyle surveys. This one isn't so good. Our pets are the chubbiest, the fattest of any state in the entire country. But let's begin here with Greg Scott, who is the author of a, a thrilling book, Bullseye Breach. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, Esme. Hi. Hi there. Now, you wrote Bullseye Breach a couple of years ago, right? And it's fiction, yeah. Yeah. but it reads like what's really happening. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that was the idea. Sometimes you can use fiction to tell truth better than the news tells truth. Right. And how did you become so involved in this world? Because it's one, when you were writing it, I think people were just kind of beginning to think about it. It goes back to an incident 17 years ago. Holy moly. Um, I'm a, I'm a dyed-in-the-wall do-it-yourselfer. I've got all kinds of stories about how I learned how to change oil and do auto mechanics and stuff like that. And, and um I taught myself how to run DNS servers, domain naming service. I didn't want to pay anybody else, so I learned how to do it myself. One day my wife came up to me and said, Greg, why is the Internet so slow, and what did you do to the computer this time? So I did some looking, and I found out that someone had compromised the DNS server that I set up, and I was blasting traffic as fast as I could to the government of Brazil. And some friends of mine at, at a company called Mission Critical Linux said, Greg, you've got to call the FBI because if, if they find out you're doing this and you don't tell them, well, you could go to, you could go to all kinds of bad places. <laughs> so right. I called the FBI, and, and um, the lady I talked to didn't know what the Internet was. I had, wow. I had to explain to her what the Internet was. And then they, she said, no one would help me because I didn't lose any money. <laughs> and then three and um, three months later, I was a I wrote a magazine column in a trade press article. One of the FBI managers here in the Twin Cities read the article three months later and called me and decided he wanted to troubleshoot. But of course, I'm not going to shut down my operation for three months and wait for the FBI to call. So Abs- that, absolutely. Well, I think I think <laughs> I, I would think that things have changed a little bit or a lot, at least in terms of the response. I would hope. Maybe. Um, well, uh, I had a I had a credit card fraud incident in 2011, fourteen thousand dollars, and I um, got transaction IDs and 
I work with U.S. Bank, and we tracked down we tracked down all the details. We packed it up for the FBI, and nothing happened. Wow. Okay. And well, I I don't know. Well, I, and I've I've been on the receiving end of that as well. Let me ask you, um, because I think what you just described that happened 17 years ago is there was a a time you had the DNS server. You, things are going a little slow. It was your wife who said, "What's wrong with the internet?" But mm-hmm. for a while, this was going on without your knowledge, even though you would set up this whole system. That's correct. I, I think that's what has so many people worried about. Um, how are they getting in? A variety of ways. <clears throat> the most common way is uh, we've all heard of phishing by now, phishing with a pH. Right. It, 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 and so phishing is the most common form of an attack. And it's it's every bit as much about psychology as technology. You know, it's just um, the movie The Sting with Robert Redford a generation ago. I remember it. <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. Fishing, today's phishing schemes are a modern version of The Sting. So I, um, I remember oh, five or six years ago maybe I got an email claiming to come from my bank. There's been an irregularity in your account. You're overdrawn. All your checks are bouncing. It's really terrible. Click here to make it all better. And I almost did. I almost clicked here, and I thought, wait a minute. This doesn't feel right. And I looked at the email header and found out where it really came from and called the bank, and we talked about it. And and then um, I've gotten a few thousand like that since then. I get emails claiming to come from Amazon. Click here to, to fix an anomaly in your order. I get I get fake in or, or a coupon, like a coupon. Oh sure, coupons, screensavers, you name it. You know any 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 scheme anybody can think of. The idea is to put you off balance and convince you to take an action that you wouldn't normally take. But we use the internet as a communication medium instead of telephones or instead of slick talking face to face. But it's it's all the same con jobs and the same schemes. There's another scary uh, um, attack vector going on though too with this. Um, with this not petya worm that we're now calling not petya, that one that one I haven't heard about. What what is that one? That was the one from just a couple days ago. So wanna cry wanna cry happened in May, and then this petya one happened on the uh, three. I guess it was three days ago, four days ago. The one you just mentioned that started. Oh, okay, in Ukraine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been different names for it. Ukraine got hit hard. Because there's a Ukrainian software accounting software company that does accounting and taxes. Apparently, this software company sent out an update. Well, somebody had compromised the update. Oh wow! Everybody that updated their their software ended up with the malicious software inside their computer by updating the application. Okay, that, so this is this is a Ukraine. Okay, so this is a Ukrainian company. Yeah. That 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 has software for tax purposes. Yeah, I think that. Yep, I need, I think the name of the company was me.com or me.go or something wow. like that. I looked up the company's website, and <laughs> you know, I don't speak Ukrainian. I I used to speak a little bit of Russian, but I've forgotten most of it. But I I could translate it. It looks like that website or that company is a is an internet certificate authority. That's got mega huge implications. It's kind of like a dress rehearsal for for something that could be bigger. We phishing that I just explained is the biggest form of attack, and we've heard all kinds of press about it. We haven't heard any press about trust on the internet, and that seems to be our Achilles' heel. And I think this this um, 
this attack we just witnessed is a is a harbinger of maybe some uh, some bad stuff to come. And, and explain why 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 exactly? Sure. When you when you visit Amazon.com or when you visit pick your internet retailer, you go through a, your computer and that retailer go through a dialogue so that that retailer proves that it is who it claims to be. So when you go to Amazon, you really are going to Amazon. Right. Well, if the way the way fundamentally the bottom line, the way that all works is everybody trusts these third party certificate authorities. If I'm an attacker, I mean, I trust when I go to Amazon, I'm mm -hmm. trusting that I'm on Amazon. Correct. Okay, that's correct. I can. I I do. I young. Yep. Yep. Now. What if I were to impersonate Amazon? What if I were an attacker and I were to build up an elaborate website that looks like Amazon but steals all your credentials? How would I fool you into going to my website instead of the real Amazon website? I'd have to do a bunch of things around the Internet infrastructure. I'd have to poison DNS. I'd have to poison the DNS server so that you go to my IP address instead of Amazon's IP address. But then I'd also have to give you a fake certificate that's, that says I'm Amazon and it's and it, and 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 it's appropriately signed. I'd have to be able to fake. I'd have to give you the fake certificate to fool your computer into believing that. Well, if a, that's a big deal, everything everything we do depends on DNS and depends on these certificate authorities. DNS is pretty solid. It's been through the wars. It's been it's been corrupted and fixed and corrupted and fixed. And, and when you say DNS, DNS is is what now? Domain naming system. Okay, all right. So, so DNS says www.amazon.com translates to such and such an IP right. address. It's kind of like Esme's house is at address 123 Main Street. Right. Okay. DNS, DNS, we can feel comfortable about. DNS is reasonably solid. The certificate system, that's a different story. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's, some people say that's a house of cards. I wouldn't go that far, but it's also not as it's not as solid as what we think. And what's the difference between DNS and a certificate? Layers. The DNS, DNS, um, the certificate system. When I, when I, when you and I want to talk to each other, I need to know that you really are Esme Murphy, right? And I really am talking to WCCO instead of somebody pretending to WC to right. be WCCO. So you'll hand me a certificate signed by somebody that you and I both trust that says, yes, I really am Esme Murphy, right. and John Smith down the street says so. And I recognize John Smith's signature, so, then I, so, then I, so I trust John Smith, so therefore I trust you, and I really believe that you're Esme. Right. If you can hand me, if, 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 you're, if you're evil intruder Esme impersonator, mm-hmm. and you hand me a certificate with a signature that looks like John Smith, right. that fools me into believing it's John Smith, then I think you're Esme, but really you're somebody else. Wow. Okay. okay. The the that that metaphor holds all through the internet. There's a bunch of technology behind it, but that's the metaphor. Okay. If right. I'm an attacker and I can fool these certificate systems, I can own a whole lot of people. All right. Well, listen. Let, let, we have to take a quick break here. I'm chatting with Greg Scott. He is the author of Bullseye Breach. It's a book that you can get anywhere books are so, sold. It's a f- work of fiction, but it talks about uh, a, a massive cyber attack. When we come back, I'm going to get Greg to kind of walk us through what to watch for because I feel like these offers are are becoming more and more 
more and more sophisticated, and it's it's reaching all of us at some point. So keep it here. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. It is 822. We are chatting with Greg Scott. He is the author of a fictional work, Bullseye Breach. He's also an expert on cyber attacks. Uh, Greg, what um, as I understand it, with this particular attack that, that began in Ukraine, people were actually told that if they didn't pay a certain amount, they would lose all the information in their computer, right? Correct. And and um, that's typical of ransomware attacks. It, it's des- it's designed and, to get to catch you off balance. And then they were told, I guess, if they didn't do anything, they'd lose all the information in their <laughs> or their computers. Um, yeah. What? And, and it turns out they couldn't pay up anyway. The the German email address that the attacker wanted them to send to the the email provider disabled the email, so they they couldn't they couldn't pay even if they wanted to. Right. What um, are there any kind of key things? Because this is changing all the time, and obviously there's some things that are complete scams. Somebody in in Kenya saying that you know I've they've got two million dollars <laughs> for me. I mean, even yeah. I can figure something like that. But I actually got a coupon, an offer for a coupon, which is I know this sounds really stupid, but I almost clicked on it for I think a hundred dollars of free McDonald's or something like that. And and I thought, oh, that looks really good. And then I realized, wait, this isn't for McDonald's. And then I thought, well, what is this? And then I just deleted it. I mean, what? What are the things we should all look out for? Email, email phishing attacks. Look at the learn learn how to look at email headers. That's huge. It sounds technical and difficult and all that, but it's it's not a big deal. You click on some buttons and you can look at the IP address where it claim where it really comes from instead of where it claims to come from and compare those two. Sometimes you'll see stuff that comes from a from a compromised home computer on the other side of the country someplace. Sometimes sometimes it'll come from um it'll come from Google and and the sender claims to be a, a Gmail address and so you have to use some judgment. A lot of times you just apply good old-fashioned human common sense to these things. If it's an offer that's too good to be true, well it you know it is. It, in a lot of ways, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So there is no universal technological solution to a lot of this stuff. It just doesn't exist. A lot of it is common sense. So look at email headers. I also feel bad about scaring everybody half to death when we talked about DNS and when we talked about certificates before. It's not like the system is totally broken. It's not perfect, but it's not totally broken. There are people probing for attacks every day, every day, every day. And there's billions of transactions that go on every day that, that just happen without incident. But be on the alert for it. If you go to visit Amazon or your favorite retailer and something looks a little bit off, check the IP address you're going to. Maybe um, a little bit of technology here. Launch, launch a command window and ping it. Get the IP address that it claims. Call your internet service provider and see if they think it's the same IP address as what you think it is. If there's a discrepancy, maybe your home internet router has been compromised somehow. And there's been lots of those that are that have been compromised. If the website looks a little bit off, contact the retailer directly, the old-fashioned way, over the phone, and talk to a real human being and see if um, recon- reconcile what you need to reconcile. So things like that will go a long okay. way towards keeping us safe. All right. And, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this. I've been getting all these things from Amazon. I, I'm not a big Amazon person, but I do occasionally use them. Um, and I, this is supposedly from Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. But I just went 
uh, and it was supposed to be. Let me just see what what it was. Shoot, it was. Um, let me get back into this because I think I just found <laughs> one here. Um, your your delivery's been delayed. Click here to find out details. Yes, or else it yeah, was a an, here. an offer. Um, it was an offer for like a, a coupon, and then to click on the link, and then when I went there, I may have deleted it. Um, odds odds it, it, it's, it's actually come from Amazon. It 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 came from somebody pretending to be Amazon. Yeah, there was no Amazon in the address, whereas some of these other ones um, are clearly from Amazon. I think maybe there's some pretty good forgeries. If, if and if you don't know where to look, you could you might think it comes from Amazon. And some of these some like store dash news at Amazon dot com. I assume that comes from Amazon, right? Maybe maybe not. You cannot. <laughs> you, you cannot trust what that what that email what that sending email address says. Okay. Anybody can impersonate anybody can impersonate anybody in email across the internet. Okay. Congratulations! You've been selected to participate in a fifty dollars promotion um, from Amazon, and yeah. that one has uh, that that one doesn't. Um, can I can I do a quick plug? Yeah, sure. I, I I put together a mini seminar about about this very stuff about how to recognize phishing schemes. If you go to my website, go to dgregscott.com and go to resources, and you'll see you'll see many seminars about ransomware. That I, I just did the ransomware one today, and you'll see one about phishing schemes and one about trust on the internet, and a couple of others that I don't even remember off the top of my head. And they're, they're all 10, 15, 20 minutes each. They're in bite-sized chunks. And, and I worked hard to say to put those together in English so that people who speak English instead of techies as a native language can listen to it and learn. Right. And that's just there for anybody that wants to look at it. Okay, well, that's great. Give us that address again here because this is, sure. this is complicated stuff. And, and some of this stuff really, you know, you're, 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 we're all busy and, and we're – you know, they they yeah. obviously know that I must shop at Amazon occasionally. I, I not very often, but um, you know, uh, clearly, it's, it's, I, it's, I'm it's, getting... yep. Parts of it's complicated, and parts of it's not. Here's the website: D as in Daniel, dgregscott.com. Okay. Well, listen. Um, great information, and obviously, I guess, um, I guess the bottom line is if, if you, I guess, if you have. Suspect something is off. It probably is. Probably is. And I'm towards. This is a six-word nursery rhyme. Everything you need to know about security. Six words. Here it is. Care and share to be prepared. Do you believe it took me three years to come up with that? Okay, I'll do that. And let me ask you another thing too. I was talking in the break with um, uh, our studio coordinator Kevin Reed. When somebody calls you at home and says. We're, we're, there's a problem with your computer. We know it's running slow. <laughs> That's no good, right? <laughs> Don't you dare fall for that. Because so, that is so um, common. Well, uh, yeah, I've had I've had three or four of them. I like to play with those guys. I, there's a I, I I'm an, I'm speaking for myself tonight. I'm not representing my employer, but I work for a company named Red Hat, and Red Hat. Is a, is a big deal with open source software. Red Hat and Microsoft are kind of competitors and kind of partners. I was sitting at Red Hat's corporate headquarters where there's no Windows computer anywhere in the whole building, and, and I took one of those calls. <laughs> Somebody said that the, the, caller, the caller said that my computer was, 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 had a virus and, and, and I needed to let him in to fix it. <laughs> I, I asked him, where, where are you calling from? He said he was calling from downtown Ohio. 
downtown Ohio. Okay. Downtown, yeah. <laughs> That's now, a problem. I asked him, I asked, yeah. I asked him if his mother knew he was stealing from people. Wow. Okay. <laughs> a bunch of people lined up and wanted to talk to him on my cell phone. Okay. Don't or, don't don't fall for fake text. Don't fall for fake for fake tech support schemes. I've cleaned up some of those messes. They're painful. Don't fall for it. Okay. Well, listen. Great information, Greg Scott. Thank you so much. Uh, for your insights, and it's it's tough. I mean, these people are really sneaky, and they're coming after all of us. Um, yes. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, and again, your book, uh, Bullseye Breach. Thank you so much, sir, for your time. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, your WCCO time check, 831, brought to you by Certified Cadillacs on sale, up to 40% off the original MSRP. Check out McCarthyAuto.com today. We are going to take a quick break, and we're going to give you some weather. And then when we come back, the troubling question, folks, we are number one. And I know we're number one in a lot of things, but we are number one for the fattest cats and dogs in the country. We'll talk with an expert on why that is and what we can do to, to have our pets slim down. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It is 8.36 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. Okay, folks, what the heck is going on? You know, in all these surveys, these lifestyle surveys, I always feel that Minnesota comes out like really right up there, sort of on top, number one. Well, there is another survey in which we came out number one, and this one is not so good. A survey of more than 2.5 million dogs and 500,000 cats in the United States was conducted by Banfield, which is a uh, a veterinarian chain of of veterinary uh, establishments all around the country, found that Minnesota – has the chubbiest, the heaviest dogs and cats. Uh, According to this uh, survey, 41% of dogs and 46% of cats are rated by veterinarians as overweight or even obese. Dr. Justine Lee is a toxicologist and pet behavior board-certified emergency critical care veterinary specialist, uh, and she is the author of It's a Dog's Life, but it's... Your carpet, and she is joining us right now. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, absolutely. Dr. Lee, help us out. I mean, Minnesotans normally rank pretty high on these health lists and fitness lists. What is going on? I know it's a little bit embarrassing that we top number one for yes. overweight and obese pets for you know both dogs and cats. So it is embarrassing because we're always ranked as like really fit and having great biking trails. Right. So I think it's multifactorial. Unfortunately, you know this is such a growing problem, and you know most pet owners know that uh, you know they love their pets and they do it by showing that by giving them treats. And so unfortunately, there's been over a hundred and fifty eight percent increase in overweight dogs and overweight cats. And so the important thing to remember is, and that's in the when, past ten years. 
Yes. That's, and that's amazing. In the past 10 years. So one out of every three dogs and cats is overweight. I personally think in Minnesota, the reason why we're overrepresented is because our two most popular dogs in the state are Labrador Retrievers and Golden Retrievers. And anyone who's had those dogs know that they're more likely to be overweight. And, you know, we're still walking with them. But I'm also going to blame the winter because, you know, right. even humans in Minnesota, we gain a couple of pounds in the winter because the winter's so rough right. here. So I also think we're not exercising our dogs quite as much during the winter. All right. How about, how about cats? Unfortunately, there's been almost a 170% increase in overweight cats in the past 10 years. Wow. And again, we're number one for most obese cats in the country. And, you know, this is really frustrating because people don't realize Banfield's study found that cat owners spent 36% more on diagnostic procedures versus owners of healthy weight cats. And so if you want to keep your pets healthier, you want to minimize the risk of diabetes, of arthritis, of uh, tracheal problems, of osteoarthritis, the best thing you can do for your pet and your wallet is to basically keep them as skinny as possible. So you want to keep them in shape. All right. I mean, how often do you see animals, pets that are significantly overweight? Every day. Every day. And, yeah. Unfortunately, at least 60% of the patients that I see at Animal Emergency and Referral Center in Minnesota are overweight. And so it is frustrating. We definitely have had long-term studies that have been done that prove that animals that are in better shape that aren't obese live on average 1.4 years longer. That study has been proven in dogs. It hasn't been done in cats yet. But again, we know that skinnier dogs, skinnier cats have less medical problems. So when in doubt, you definitely want to cut back straight across, you know, on their food by about 25% right now. Obviously, check with your veterinarian. And you also want to exercise them more. So I'm a huge advocate. Dogs need at least 30 minutes of exercise, regardless of their size, every single day. Wow. And how about cats? Yeah, you know, most people, when they have indoor cats, they don't exercise them as much as they should. And I always say, you know, put it on your Google Calendar. Actually schedule one day a week to purposely exercise your cat. You can do that literally with, you know, toys or laser pointers. What I do is I actually put the litter box all the way in the basement. I put their food all the way on the top floor. And that way I know <laughs> they're getting at least a couple of flights of stairs in. Um, but when in doubt, cut back on the food. Talk to your vet about a good diet for your cat. Um, that can help with some weight loss. And the most important thing is, again, try to implement some exercise. It's great environmental enrichment for them, too. All right. And occasionally I have seen people walking their cats. So Fantastic. It, can, it can be can be done. What um, well, let me ask you, how much how much food are you supposed to give them? That's a great question. So one of the biggest problems I see as a veterinarian is people are feeding their dogs and their cats according to their weight based on what they're reading on a pet food label. And if your dog is, say, 30 pounds overweight and defined as obese, so say it's 90 pounds instead of 70 pounds, a lot of people accidentally feed their dog for a 90-pound dog, when in actuality, oh. they should be feeding them for a 70-pound dog. So I always say, look at the body condition of your dog. There's free body condition scores. There's charts so you can see if your dog is too thin, if your dog's an ideal weight or if they're overweight. But ideally, talk to your vet and say, hey, what's my dog's ideal weight? I'm sad to say 
most veterinarians, when they graduate from vet school, are so used to overweight pets that they oftentimes think even an overweight dog is quote-unquote normal. I work with a lot of athletic dogs. I work with a lot of sled dogs. So I'm used to thin to ideal weight dogs. Right. And so it is a growing problem. But you want to feed your dog for the ideal body weight, not the current weight that they're at. Is is the problem I know you know so often um studies have shown that 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 children who are overweight as as children and adolescents are are much more likely to carry that over into adulthood is that the way it is with animals well, you know, there's no studies to prove that, but I can tell you as a cat owner, once they develop that cat belly pouch, they never lose it. You know, and most people don't realize most cats only need about 200 calories a day. So if you're Whoa. giving a bunch of snacks, some of these snacks have 10, 20 calories. And if you're giving them 10, cal- 10 treats, you literally have met all their nutritional requirements. So when in doubt, look at how many calories are in that treat or just cut out treats completely. I always tell people, I love to give my dogs and my cats treats. I like to spoil them, but we need to find better ways of rewarding our dogs and cats and showing our love to our dogs and cats versus just feeding them. All right. And and I guess 200 calories would be just like a couple of scoops of dry food, right? Yeah. So it's actually for a cat, depending on what type of food you're feeding, that may only be a quarter cup twice a day. Wow. Okay. So you bring up a great point. A lot of pet owners, the number one mistake they make is not using, using an actual measuring spoon. They actually use a scoop when, when, you know, that one scoop is actually three cups instead of two cups. Remember, you know, for cats, they typically need about a quarter of a cup. So I would actually use a real measuring spoon. So you know exactly how much you're feeding. Okay. Cause even, you know, even if you're, you're doing like half a cup as opposed to a quarter, that's, that's double what they should be getting. Exactly. So let's look at our typical, say, 50-pound dog. If you have a 50-pound dog, their normal daily caloric intake should be about 1,000 calories. And if you happen to give one strip of bacon, that's 10% of their daily requirement of their uh, calories. So literally, you know, we're giving little pieces of table scraps, not thinking it's uh, building up and, you know, adding all these extra calories when it's actually making our pets really obese. Wow. Okay. Uh, We are chatting here with Dr. Justine Lee. She is uh, an animal emergency and referral center doctor. She's the author of It's a Dog's Life, But It's Your Carpet. Uh, We do have to take a quick break, Dr. Lee. Uh, Great information from you, but want to ask you a few more questions uh, after this on News Radio 830 WCCO. 849 in the Twin Cities, Esme Murphy back with Dr. Justine Lee. She is a toxicologist and pet behavior board certified emergency critical care veterinary specialist. And we're talking about why Minnesota has come in number one for having the fattest dogs and cats in the nation. Uh, Dr. Lee, let me ask you something because you, you, you mentioned, um, then the study mentions overweight versus obese. Do you see dogs and cats that come into your clinic or that that you see where the owner really doesn't feel they meet the criteria even for being overweight? I mean, I I think obese, I I would think most people would recognize that, but are are some owners really in the dark about what their pet should really weigh? Unfortunately, they are. And so that's the hardest thing. Uh, Most people don't realize you should be able to see the ribs of your dog when they're running. 
So you should be able to lightly feel them. There should be a really thin layer of fat. And most dogs and cats that come in have typically one to two inches of fat on their chest wall or several inches of fat on their belly. And so if you go to, uh, actually on my website, I have some body condition scores from on my blog that people can look at. Um, but oh, and tell us, tell us about your website here. Sure. It's just drjustinely.com. Um, but if you look at the blog, you can actually look at pictures from the side image of a dog and see a tuck in the waist. You should be able to see the ribs um, from the top, uh, from the side. And so it's a really easy way of looking at your pet, feeling your pet. And if you can't, then we always want to make sure it's not an underlying medical problem. So there are some medical conditions like um, hypothyroidism where dogs have an underactive thyroid. We know that neutering our dogs and cats actually slows down their metabolism. So if you have a healthy dog, it's a puppy or a kitten, once we spay and neuter them, which we always advocate for health reasons and to help minimize pet overpopulation, it is important that pet owners realize they do have to cut down on the amount of food, the caloric intake, just uh, the requirements are much, much lower. So again, we want to make sure it's not because of any medical problem, but a lot of times it's because of overfeeding and under-exercising. And those are really my two biggest uh, recommendations, especially when we have breeds that are so predisposed. Again, golden retrievers, labradors, dachshunds are so predisposed to obesity. They eat a lot, those dachshunds. You know know what the worst thing is? Dachshunds actually get really severe herniated discs and they can be acutely paralyzed. And so it becomes a really serious problem where it actually affects their health, where they need, you know, a three to $5,000 surgery to fix a herniated disc when it could have been prevented by keeping them thin. Same thing with Labradors. A lot of Labrador owners have had dogs that have torn their ACL or their cruciate, and that's a several thousand dollar surgery to fix. And you can avoid that literally by just keeping them thin. Um, and Dr. Lee, I just, I'm on your website right now. It's very good. It's Dr. Justine Lee, J-U-S-T-I-N-E-L-E-E dot com. And uh, if you go to her, you've got all kinds of things on the website, but if you go to her blog, you, you'll see one of the most recent posts is about uh, body condition and just this subject. And the diagrams are really good. It's, um, I guess I wouldn't necessarily think that the over ideal is really that over ideal. (laughs) I mean, I think it's because we're so used to seeing dogs that are heavier. Um, It's almost, it's like we, our standards have shifted and, and certainly with the cats as well. What kind of, you mentioned that the average dog that comes to see you has like one inch or so, you know, of, of, fat on them as opposed to being leaner where you could, as you said, the standard as far as you're concerned is, is being able to see the ribs as they run. What are the risks of being even that, you know, that much overweight? Dr. Lee? So I should say that the body condition score is based on a scale of one to nine. And so nine is pretty obvious. It's when they have several sure. inches of fat on their side. Um, even the ideal dog, when we see that, you should be able, to, again, to palpate the ribs. There's very little fat covering it. When you look from the side, they should have that tuck or that waist. And you're right. When you look at the scale, even seven out of nine is over ideal. Um, and that's where they lose that waist. And the main reason why we become so adamant about helping pets lose weight is because we know they live longer. We know they have less musculoskeletal problems, less cardiac problems, less pulmonary problems. And nobody honestly wants to give injections twice a day to their dog or cat because of diabetes. 
And and, and there are dogs and cats that have diabetes because they're overweight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in cats. And so we know that um, there's been a huge spike in diabetes in the past 10 years, and it's probably with the associated increase in obesity. So again, if you want to keep your pet healthier and you want to save money, then again, the best thing you can do is to keep your pet as skinny as possible. We also know that um, for overweight dogs, pet owners spend on average 25% more on medications, and their their healthcare costs are about 20% more than healthy weight dogs. So again, it can and result in a lot of medical problems and a lot of additional added financial expenses. And again, I want to send you folks to drjustinelee.com. This is her, uh, Dr. Lee's blog, or actually her website, and then you can go to the blog. I think what's really interesting about these diagrams uh, for, you know, the under, it shows, you know, the, a dog and a cat that are under ideal weight, ideal weight, and then over ideal I actually find the overhead view of the dog and the cat really perhaps the one that that's the easiest to really distinguish. Um, they actually, I mean, I think I'm going to get up on a chair and look at my dog from above uh, because I think, I think we're shifting to the over ideal weight, but, but that, that distinction really is one that I think people will be able to see. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's, you're it's, looking for that waste. The waste. Yes. I don't know if my dog is a waste. I don't think so. But, um, but, but it's interesting that you wouldn't think about looking you know, from the overhead perspective, but that one is is especially the case. And certainly with cats, you can see that as well. I mean, this is a really, really good diagram that you have here on your blog because the cat has the waist, supposed to have the waist too. Yeah, you know, cats, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. One of my cats is overweight. <laughs> you know, it's hard. And the biggest thing, again, exercise them, use that laser pointer, use that, you know, those feathers on a string that people use, oh, yeah. like feather teasers. Um, those are fantastic. Taking the time to, like, if your dog is dog friendly, going to a doggy daycare or doggy play groups, uh, dog parks that are fenced in where you can exercise your dog. Um, I obviously want pet owners to exercise um, their pets more, but we obviously have to be careful too, especially in the heat. Um, sure. We don't want to exercise dogs when it's really, really hot. But more importantly, find other ways of rewarding your pets. It doesn't have to be with food. It can be with belly rubs. It can be with catnip for cats. It can be with toys. Your dog honestly probably loves 10 minutes of playing tug of war or chasing a ball rather than getting a, a milk bone. Oh. So for environmental re- enrichment and reasons, they actually prefer that. Okay, well, Dr. Justine Lee, great information. And again, your website's great, drjustinelee.com. And you go to her blog, you can see these diagrams, which I think really make things clear. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. She was great. Absolutely great. Uh, All right, folks. And again, that website, drjustinelee.com. All right, folks, Esme Murphy, thanks to uh, the producer of this show, Susan Blanche. Also, thanks to Jonathan Lowe and Kevin Reed. Have a wonderful Saturday evening, everyone. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com.